kind of like you got pulled out of a dream there, right? <laughs> it's a very weird feeling to just come back to this <laughs> reality. Great job, band. Let's give them a round of applause. They did awesome. <laughs> I'm pretty excited to dive into today's message, not necessarily because the material is easy, but it's because something that applies to every one of us here. And um, it's kind of funny because we're really going to be talking about kids and parents today. And it just happens to fall on Mother's Day when we, and honestly, I say happens to because I didn't plan it. <laughs> um, I wish I could say, oh, yeah, I thought months ahead and I planned this. No, I just mapped out Ephesians, wrote down that May 8th, is, I was going to talk about this, and I didn't even know it was Mother's Day. So anyways, so here we are. And so that's an exciting connection that we have um, because all of us have been children um, at some point in our life, unless your parents have both passed away, you, you probably still are a child, most of you. Um, Many of us are going to be, many of us are parents, many of you will be parents one day. So, um, and we're continuing our journey through Ephesians, and we've made it to the last chapter, so we're starting chapter 6 today. And Paul just continues to drill, drill down into the, the walk-worthy portion of this message series, talking about what does it mean to live out um, uh, being a follower of Christ. And last week and this week, he's drilling down into what I think is the most vulnerable place in our life, and that's our home, our home, how we operate with our spouse, our parents, and our children. And I don't know about you, but acting like Jesus in my home is the most difficult arena that there is. I mean, for whatever reason, when, when at least I'll, I'll speak for myself, okay? For whatever reason, when I walk through my doorway, I can be transformed into just this biggest jerk in the world. And you're like, transformed? You're kind of like that all the time. But I tell myself transformed, right? And I act in ways that I would never act in public. Can I get an amen? Anybody else out there? All right. So it's a tender place. And so today I want you guys to go ahead and open your Bibles up to Ephesians 6. Mr. Rob Starr is going to read for us this morning. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4, I believe. Okay, this is no Revelation 4, but in its own <laughs> right, it's still awesome. So, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children, Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Thank you. So all the parents out there are thinking, man, couldn't we just stop with verse 1? That'd be awesome, right? <laughs> if there's ever a passage <clears throat> in Scripture that I've probably failed on both ends of the spectrum, um, it's probably this one. Uh, this one would be up there. It's only four verses we're going to cover today, but there's a lot of truth there and, and a ton of challenging things as well. And we're going to break it down into, into small pieces here. So um, we're going to start with this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. <laughs> and I want to just take a pause real quickly. And if your scripture is still open, just look back to chapter 5, verse 21. And let's just be reminded of what that said, it said, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, so this was the verse that kind of set up all the discussion for what it should look like in a Christian household. And last week you guys talked about submission in marriage. 
not only the wife to the husband, but the husband to God, really both of them to God and to one another, right? So the, the general idea or the concept of submission undergirds every relationship, especially in the home. And it doesn't say submit to one another because it's easy. It doesn't say because you'll want to. In fact, the opposite is usually true. <laughs> we have to work really hard at submission. It doesn't come naturally. So I want to ask young people here, okay? So the only people that can answer my question right now are under the age of 20, all right? So this is your question, your moment. Why don't you want to obey your parents? Like what rises up in you that's like, I don't want to obey them. What is it? Help me out, young people. Why don't you want to obey your parents or else your parents will answer for you here shortly? What do you think? Raise your hand. Yes, Kenzie, not you. Anybody else? I'm just kidding. They're always wrong. I think that what I want is better. What you want is better, right? You think that what you want is better. Anybody else? This is your opportunity to like drag your parents through the mud here. Anybody else? Some of you, let's 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 broaden it then. Let's let's talk to our adults. Those of you that are in your 30s, 40s, 50s, why did you not want to obey your parents? Yeah impatience okay because you just wanted things to go your way or at the pace you wanted to go yeah you wanted things when you wanted it not when they said you could have it right yeah will yeah they just don't understand that's great okay yes <laughs> i just wanted to do it i didn't care what they thought yes perfect okay there are no shortage of excuses right we can make a long list. But here's the thing is that Paul doesn't give us any qualifiers. He doesn't say, children, obey your parents unless they're jerks or unless they just are asking you to do something that's ridiculous or unless you've got a better idea or unless you want to do it a different way, right? None of those are there. It's just obey your parents. Now, three reasons for obedience I want to look at here, okay? First thing is Paul says, for this is right, okay? For this is right. And that's kind of God's version of, because I said so, okay? Maybe you've heard that before. But really, Paul is just pointing out that it's a, the natural order of things. It's how God created things to work, that children were supposed to obey their parents. And besides, kids, young people, I want you to listen to me right now, okay? Do I have your attention? One day you will be parents, and you will want your kids to obey you. Trust me on that one, okay? Uh, it just makes sense that that's how it should be. And I actually tried this out on my eight-year-old recently. Okay, really, just a few weeks ago. I said, Xavier, one day you will have kids, and you will want them. I said, I said Xavier, one day when you're a parent, I think is how I phrased it, will you want your kids to listen to you? And in this just unbelievably shocking moment, he said, yeah. And it was just like, mic drop. <laughs> like, brilliant moment, right? I thought I'd just broken through. 
and, and we, we were never going to go back to, you know, an era of disobedience again, right? It, well, I mean, yeah, it made sense for about 10 seconds, and then we went back to, right? But that's true. It's like when you're on the other side of the equation, you're like, man, yeah, it'd be nice if the kids listened, right? So one is because it's just right. It's how God created things to work. Secondly, we're to obey our parents because God's law commands us to, all right? Actually, it's, it made the top 10, right? The Ten Commandments, this idea of, of obeying and honoring your parents, it made the top 10. It's got to be pretty important. It's on the list, and it's the first one, if you read them straight through, that actually addresses earthly relationships. Okay, so earthly relationships on the list starts with this idea. It's from Exodus 20:12. if you could put that verse up there. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And we'll talk more about honoring here in just a minute. But the placement of this command is really key. Like I said, the first four commands have to do with our honoring God and obeying him, okay, our heavenly father. And we have to submit to his lordship over our lives. And then the second relationship that we're supposed to honor and submit to is our parents, and so those are they're kind of the first two big ones, our first two big authorities in life. And then the final five commands, if you read down through the list, are all the ones that have to do with how we care about other people or don't care about them, as it were, right? It says, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, you know, do not, all these things and ways that we treat other people. And the idea in this order is that we can't really honor our fellow man without first honoring God and our parents as our first authorities in life. I don't know if you have noticed this in life. Maybe you have some people like this. Maybe you're one of these people. But people who tend to kind of bristle against authority don't always do a great job of loving other people well. I don't know if you've noticed that. <laughs> it's kind of a pattern there, okay? Because there's reasons why they're bristling against authority. Um, a lot of it has to do with selfishness or pride, which then makes it difficult to love other people, okay? Finally, we are to obey our parents because the gospel demands it. And what do I mean by that? Well, I mean that Jesus, God in the flesh, came to this world, had parents, Joseph and Mary, that he had to obey. In fact, Luke 2.51 says this, Then he, Jesus, went down to Nazareth, with them, his parents, and was obedient to them. Jesus wasn't above obeying his parents. And get this, he was perfect and they weren't. So imagine how that went down. When a young Jesus is never sins and his sinful parents, who he knows are wrong, are telling him to do something that he then has to obey. And he doesn't play the, hey, I'm God, and here's the deal. You're kind of missing the mark on this one. And No. He's obedient to them. Later in life, as the hours of his life were drawing to a close, and the, and the cross was getting closer and closer to his reality, he was obedient to his heavenly father. Even though in that moment, in his human side, he didn't necessarily want to obey Right? Obeying in that moment for him was going to be extremely painful. Death was at the end of it. 
And, and he prayed and he even asked, is there some other way? But in the end, he said, not my will, but your will be done. So Jesus set the pattern for us of obeying our parents. And actually, I've done a lot of youth ministry over the years, worked with a lot of teenagers, and one of the marks of a kid who I can really tell um, when they've really surrendered their heart to Christ, you know, they come back from Young Life Camp or whatever church camp experience, is that they begin being more obedient and honoring to their parents, whereas maybe before they hadn't been for whatever reason. That, to me, is one of the true marks that a kid's heart's really been changed is they start to, first of all, they've yielded themselves to God's authority in their life, which then makes it easier to yield themselves to the authority of their parents and honor them in that way. Because they're doing it in the Lord, as Paul said, to honor God, not necessarily because it's easy. So children are to obey, and parents are to insist upon their obedience because they love their children. And we're going to talk more on that in just a little bit. So right now I want to shift to verse 2 in this word, honor, okay? Kids, you guys having fun out there? Isn't this an awesome sermon? You're like, woohoo, way to go. Now, parents will get theirs in a minute here, all right? Hang on. So obedience to our earthly parents has a bit of a shelf life, okay? Because the reality is, is at some point um, we move out. And we get a roof over our own head, and we're self-sufficient, and we're paying the bills. And for some people, that's 18. For some, it's 38. <laughs> Who knows when that is, okay? Um, but at that point, we really are no longer obligated necessarily to obey our parents. But we're always commanded to honor them. We're always commanded to honor them. So what's the difference? Well, obedience is an outward expression okay it's your actions okay while honor is is more of an attitude or a posture of our heart which should also be accompanied by some action right you see but we can you can you can obey someone without honoring them happens all the time in our life what might be our motivation in that case think of situations where you kind of have to obey somebody, but you, you don't really honor them. What would be a situation or, or a motivation for you in that? What's your motivation when you're obeying but not really honoring? Yeah. Okay, it's a selfish, yeah, there's something in it for you. If I obey, then maybe I'll get something, but I don't really care about the person I'm obeying. I'm just jumping through the hoops, yeah. Yeah, fear. Right? Fear is a great motivator. I'm going to listen to what this teacher says or whoever says, because if I don't, I'm going to get punished or whatever, but you know, I'm not really, I don't really have a lot of honor or respect for that person. I'm just doing what I have to do. All right? Any other obedience motivators you guys can think of? Yeah. Just to make life easier? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's just, it's just easier just to do it then I don't have to, you know, whatever, right? All right? We go to the DMV, right? And we honor, we obey the system, right? I got to have these documents. I want to get this tag at the end, but these people are driving me insane, right? But we do it because we have to, right? That is not, <laughs> it's not the kind of obedience that God is looking for. 
Okay, he's looking for obedience that also is connected to this word honor. That's, that's a posture in our hearts that says that this person is worth my, my, my obedience, my, my uh, I don't know, just doing it with an attitude or a spirit that's honoring towards them. And again, I, I feel like I need to hit the pause button here for a moment. <laughs> you see, because it's all fine and good to obey and honor a parent who also has been fairly kind and considerate towards you throughout your childhood. Right? And if you're a person in this room who has happened to be lucky enough to have parents who really were pretty great towards you, I would ask that you please not take that for granted. Because there probably are an equal number of people in this room who you know, had one or both parents that it was a little bit rough, whose actions or lack of actions hurt people in this room severely. And you and I both know, and maybe you're one of these, there are a lot of adults that kind of never get over that. They spend their whole adult life wrestling with the wounds and the pain from those parents. And the thought of honoring a parent um, who maybe was abusive or neglectful um, or just absent, man, that's really tough. And I just want you guys to know that I'm like right there with all of you. Okay, um, I have a pretty, I, don't, I have no relationship with my dad currently. I haven't talked to him in almost two years. Um, and so even this week, as I'm putting this message together, I'm having to kind of pray and say, God, is there something that I need to be seeing here that I'm missing in terms of honoring my dad? And I'm not going to get into all the reasons why that's where we are, but it just is what it is right now. Um, but I have, I'm having to wrestle with that because I think it's always good to come back to things and God has different seasons where he wants to do things maybe it's when your heart's ready when the other person's ready whatever it might be I think we need to revisit those conversations at times and I came across two quotes this week that that made me kind of think about some things so one of them says not giving up on the people he has placed in our lives honors God you know there's a lot of us that God didn't give up on when it looked like we weren't going to be obedient to him, right? Secondly, consider how you might honor your parents, no matter how you have been raised. This may seem like a huge challenge, yet it is one I believe God will bless. And I think one of the interesting things with this conversation, with, 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 with a lot of conversations, honestly, in, in areas where we feel like, God, I just don't know if I can do that. A lot of times when we say those things, we, we're saying it through the lens of our own ability, right? In my own strength, in the capacity that I currently have, I don't see how I could do that. Love that person, forgive that person, whatever. But God, because we have his spirit in us now, which is perfect love, perfect peace, perfect power, perfect forgiveness, everything is in us. God is in the business of expanding our capacity and our ability because it's not about what we can do anymore. It's about what we allow Christ in us to do through us. So we have to shake away this, this understanding of kind of what our limitations are and understand that God operates outside of boundaries that we put up. And if he's calling us to a place of honoring, reconciling, forgiving, whatever it is, he will meet us there with the power, the grace, the love, whatever it is we need 
to do that. I don't have a lot of easy answers for you. I've got three pieces of advice on this. Um, one I kind of already mentioned is that I would really encourage you, um, if you're in a place where this is a struggle, to honor your parents, um, just to pray and ask God, God, what would you have me do? Not what I want to do or what I'm feeling in the moment, but what would you have me do here? Okay? Secondly, I would invite in a community into conversation with you because I think sometimes when we're hurt, um, we can have a hard time kind of seeing a broader perspective. And sometimes we need somebody who's kind of not quite so close to the situation and the relationship that can come in a little bit more unbiased and just kind of speak some truth into the situation um, in ways maybe we can hear it that we can't come to on our own because of, yeah, just the pain that we're experiencing. So I, I did, which is something that I did a couple of years ago is I invited my community in. Hey, here's kind of where my relationship with my dad is. What do you guys think? You know, speak into this with me, okay? The third thing I would say is that some of us just, we need to go to counseling, <laughs> right? Some of us have been so wounded and so hurt that we're just kind of emotionally stuck and we can't, we cannot get through to the other side. And honestly, any kind of healing or reconciliation that we would try to have would, wouldn't be um, wholehearted um, because we haven't dealt and unraveled some of the pain to begin with. So if you find yourself in any of those places, please, I would encourage you to, to find some healing, find some community to pray and ask. Um, come and talk to me because I've dealt with all this. So, um, but I want to spend a good portion of our remaining time on verse 4. Okay, I'm going to just put that back up on the screen for you in case you close your Bible up. It says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So it begins, fathers. Not fathers and mothers. Not parents. But fathers. Fathers. And so I want to just begin with this understanding that Paul basically is saying, guys, that it, it begins with the dad, that the dad is the one who's been given the responsibility to train and instruct their children. And you've heard it said that the earthly fathers represent the heavenly father to their children, that they are kind of a mirror of his love for them. Okay, that's why fatherlessness in our society it's been so destructive because when you have absent dads, the kids start to wonder, well, where's God? Is there a heavenly father that loves me? Am I worth pursuing? Is somebody interested in me? And in an ideal world, parents would get married, <laughs> stay married, and a dad would take the leadership in teaching their children to live according to God's word. And I don't want to limit... Um, women's roles like for instance i grew up in pretty much a single mom household <laughs> but to ask her to try to be doing both of those roles um, was difficult and and it was lacking in some ways um so but verse four actually starts off with this warning okay it says fathers don't exasperate your children and that word exasperate means um, to irritate or to frustrate intensely okay and there are a lot of ways to exasperate your children. Okay, you can do that by being overly critical or overly demanding or overly controlling 
Or it can be the other side of the spectrum. They could be overly passive or overly needy or overly distant or distracted or overly sarcastic or negative or whatever. And this was actually a call, as you look at this, um, to attend by Paul, to attend to the emotional concerns of a child. Okay? Which at that time in history would have been a revolutionary perspective in that culture. This was a culture that was a a patriarchal, like a male-driven, authoritarian-type culture where, where dads, what kind of dad said was absolute. They said it once, they expect you to follow it, and there's not a whole lot of um, emotional connection. There was always a distance there. That was kind of the norm. So Paul's speaking in emotional language here. And I know for a fact, this is going to shock a lot of you, but I exasperate my kids. Ah, I know, it's shocking, but it's true. Why? <laughs> well, here's the answer. Um, it's because parenting is impossible. Yes, it absolutely is. Because it requires us to do things, every one of us, that we are not natural at. All right? And it depends on your personality. But, like, some of us are not naturally patient. And it requires that you be patient. It requires that you be kind. It requires that you be decisive. It requires that you be a servant. It requires that you drive a minivan. <laughs> it requires that you get excited about singing the song for the 50th time that you didn't want to hear the first time, right? And we all have our lists depending on our personalities, but parenting stretches us and it rubs up against this easy life that we'd really love to have at times. And I told you my story a while ago those of you that missed it, I'll share it again, but about trying to get Xavier to bed one night, right? And Xavier is a slow mover. Nothing he does is efficient, especially at night when he's manipulating and trying to slow down the process of getting in bed, right? And so here I am, you know, I told you guys a story, I'm operating, I got my, my phone, I'm setting my timer. You got one minute to brush your teeth, Go. You got two minutes to say goodnight to mom and dad and kiss the dogs and do everything else you want to do, go, right? And before you judge me, come over to my house and try to put him to bed one night, okay? <laughs> then, then you can talk to me about this, all right? But this works for me, all right? But I shared with you guys one night that, that Xavier, you know, in the midst of doing this, he's like, dad, you are stressing me out. And I was like, yeah, I probably am, right? I was exasperating my son because I just wanted the night to go quickly, you know? I just wanted to get to the end of it so that I could have some time for me. And so I wasn't really attending to his heart at all. And I think we miss our kids' hearts a lot. When my girls were little, and you guys can correct me because I could remember who said this. One of them used to say, you're not the boss of me. God and Jesus are the boss of me. <laughs> who was that? Kins? That sounds about right. Okay. Uh. So since parenting is impossible, author Paul David Tripp, if you've heard of him, says that parenting must begin with confession. Parenting must begin with confession. And really you're confessing two things. First of all, you're confessing, I can't do this. 
this is rough, outside of my ability level, okay? The second thing that we need to confess, probably the most important, is that we as parents have to confess that we struggle with obeying God too. Yet how does God treat us? Psalm 103, verse 10 says this. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Parents, do we remember that when we just want to punish our kids because they're being disobedient? You see, our parenting ideology is formed and shaped by our theology. Okay, let me say that again because that's a lot of ologies. Our parenting ideology is formed and shaped by our theology, our understanding of God and how he operates. Okay? Often we fail to realize that we are more like our children than we are unlike them. Aren't we rebellious? Aren't we selfish and prideful and controlling and ungrateful and sometimes lazy towards God and his ways? I know I am. Yet we can hold our kids to a higher standard of obedience than we hold ourselves to with God. Is this landing with some parents out here? I know it is for me. I've been telling you guys lately, at least I hope I have, because I've been thinking it a lot, right? This, this, this kid we got <laughs> right now in our house, like I'm saying all these kinds of things are coming out of my mouth to him. And then as, as many words are coming out, Holy Spirit words are coming in. I'm saying stuff and God's saying to me, well, don't you do that? Don't you do that all the time? Don't, you, um, don't I forgive you for that? And I'm gracious and patient with you? I mean, it's just like this two-way conversation is going on until finally I just get to the point where I just stop talking because God's voice is like, hey, you do that all the time. And I'm patient and gracious towards you. Chill out, right? So parenting begins with confession, and then it's followed up closely with a cry of dependence. God, I need you. I need your help. I've personally prayed that probably at least five times just this weekend alone, right? In situations with my kid, I'm just like, help me, Lord. I need help, right? Oh, why do we need so much help? One of the reasons is because there is no parenting formula. And guys, if you go to some Christian bookstore or non-Christian bookstore and you see a book that says like five easy steps to raising God-fearing kids, like burn it to the ground. It does not exist or work like that, okay? They're lying to themselves, because every kid is different, every situation is different, the same rules and consequences don't work for every child, okay? I've got four kids. My oldest son, Zach, he was pretty easy to discipline. If you grounded him or took something away, he didn't like that, and so he would change his tune fairly quickly. 
once he learned that we kind of had some insider info on a situation and that he wasn't going to be able to get away with lying because we had the goods on him, it, things changed pretty quickly and we could get through it without a whole lot of drama, okay? Our youngest daughter, Kenzie, um, if you just looked at her like you were upset, she would just cry and that problem solved. And, and she was like the easiest kid to discipline ever, okay? Our older daughter, Kylie, was a pistol. And Kylie did not like to be parented a whole lot. Um, she would just dig her heels in to the death, right? Maybe you guys have those kids. A lot of times they're, you know, second kids, middle child sometimes, just saying. But man, when she was a teenager, especially the early teen years, and like, you know, every once in a while as a parent, you got to have those conversations where you're like, hey, mom and dad, we need to go to your room. We need to have a talk right now. Oh my gosh. I mean, that just the mention of that was just like death, right? And so you'd get her in the room, you'd have this conversation, you know what you get out of her? Name, rank, serial number, basically. Like, I'm not giving you anything, right? How, when can you get out of my room and I can move on with my life? That was her basic <laughs> tone, okay? She just graduated summa cum laude yesterday, though, so she's, she's a good girl, right? <laughs> right? But she was just different. She had a different perspective. And now Xavier comes along, and we pretty much have to throw out everything that ever had worked in the past. It's like he is bulletproof to Bob and Kristen's unbelievable parenting skills and techniques. They do not work on him, all right? And the one thing that is true, though, with all of our kids and with all of yours, is that good parenting demands connection. First and foremost, you as a parent, your connection with God, right? Because unless you regularly are reminding yourself of the grace that God and the way that he parents you as a heavenly father, if you're not reminding yourself of the truths of that posture that he has towards you, it's going to be really hard for you to extend that to your kids. You will demand things from them that God doesn't demand from you. And so we got to stay connected here, and we also got to stay connected to the hearts of our kids as well. Okay? And if you look at, if you could put that verse back, that is still up there. Awesome. You're way ahead of me. Okay, Paul says, bring them up. Okay, that language in the Greek, it, it communicates this sense of nourishing your kids, okay, to nourish them. It communicates development by care and pains. It's like nourishing their mind, soul, and their body. Bring them up, it says, in training. And training has to come first because our kids sometimes don't know right from wrong. We have to teach them, right, what's going on. Because kids come into this world somehow with these two assumptions. One is that they're self-autonomous, right? That they're, they're the ones really that are in charge of the household. Because when they scream and yell, the parents are hopping too, right? Oh, let me get you this. What do you need? What do you need? You know? So they come in this idea that they're, they're in charge. They're self-ruling. And also they think they're self-sufficient. They don't need you, right? How many times a day does a toddler, toddler tell you, I do it myself, Right? And you try to reach over there and like smacking your hands away. Even about things like they honestly, obviously have no idea how to do. 
right? They're reaching down to try to tie their shoes when they're three. It's like, you can't tie your shoes. And you walk over there to maybe help them out, and they're like, hey, <laughs> back off, pal. I got this, right? Go do whatever you do. Mow the lawn, pay the bills. I, I got the shoe thing taken care of, right? So children are to obey, but first parents have the responsibility to train their children to obey, okay? And I love this quote from Pastor David Guzik. It says this, it is essential that a parent teach the child obedience so that the child will grow up knowing how to obey God even when he doesn't understand everything or doesn't want to. You see, just like our parents have us obey things sometimes, we're like, why? What do you, what's the point of this? God asks us to do the exact same thing often in life. And there are times when we, just like we don't want to obey our parents, there are going to be times when we don't want to obey God. But we have to understand that, that God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And training is the same word here, translated as chastening, which means this, training through corrective discipline. Okay, and we see this word in, in Hebrews 12. If you want to turn your Bibles over to page 1717, Hebrews 12, we're going to wrap up here with this passage. Starting in verse 7, it says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So I want to ask us a question. Anybody have an example of how they were trained by their parents through corrective discipline? And you're glad that they did because it's made you a better person. So do you have an example of a way that you as a child were trained by them correctively disciplining you? And you're glad they did because you're a better person because of it in this particular area. Anybody have an example of, of that? Yeah, Dave. Okay. I grew up on a farm. Uh, anyway, later in life, well, when I was probably 12, uh, we had chickens and we had eggs. We were going to gather the eggs. There was a time when I was not allowed to go do a fairly big thing I was supposed to do because I had forgotten to I got the eggs, like, all the time. I mean, like, I didn't ever screw that up. One time. It wasn't about the one time. It was 
you have to be responsible. And what I wanted to do, me not doing it was fine. It was not that big of a deal. Yeah. But it, to me, it was the end of the world right then. Sure. So it's all the perspective. Mm-hmm. And not having it at that point in time is all the difference between looking back and having it. Yeah, good. So he's saying just he forgot to collect the eggs one time. And his dad didn't let him go do something that he wanted to do. And he couldn't understand why. When he had done it faithfully all the time, it was just teaching him this principle of like, no, you have to, you have to be consistent. Because sometimes you don't, that one time you don't do it, not collect eggs, but whatever it is in life, might be the most important time, right? That one time you don't check your oil or the one time you don't lock your door or whatever the thing is, might be the time that it was the most important time for you to do that. So that's awesome. Maybe else have an example. Yeah, Phil. Mm. And even if I didn't want to, but that has led to a pattern of, of relational destruction, apologies, with you know forgiveness that has festered for a really long time. Yeah. So Phil was forced to reconcile with his siblings. Okay. And he said, as that's carried on, though, it's become a good pattern for him as an adult, that he doesn't just allow things to kind of dangle out there, unhealthy relationships or, or tension, that he, he's, he's learned from that. Good. <laughs> and a lot of times when we're kids, we can't see what's down the road, right? We can't see how this is going to benefit us in the years to come. So finally, the last thing in this verse that we looked at is that we're supposed to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So what does that mean? It means that first and foremost that our parental instruction should be grounded in the word of God. It needs to be built on the solid rock of God's unshakable truths, not the shifting sand of worldly opinion or cultural norms or what the parents down the street are doing or even what other parents in this church are doing. Okay? Because God's ways are almost always counter to our culture. And so a lot of times it's going to look different for you and your kids. And as parents, we are to be ambassadors for the Heavenly Father, right? And what I mean by that is this. Our kids get their first glimpse of God and His nature by watching us. And that means that our face, when our kids do something good or bad, when they're little, that's the face of God. Our tone is the tone of God. Our touch, whether violent or gentle, is the touch of God. So Lord, help us all with that truth, right? And I was thinking about this. Earlier we talked about when we don't want to obey our parents or why. So I thought about what makes us want to obey our parents. And I think for me... um, and I think my kids would say this, is, is when, when parents have this balance of grace and truth, right? When they, when they balance that well, that sometimes they let you off the hook when you know you've screwed up because we get that grace from God. That makes you want to obey them more because you know, I, I, I deserve to get it <laughs> and you didn't. You withheld that punishment from me. Sometimes we love them and want to obey them because they do speak the truth to us in ways that we needed to hear it. 
just like God does. He disciplines us. And there are things that I'm grateful for that God has punished me, quote unquote, or disciplined me for because I, I needed to hear it. And hopefully our kids learn to respect us enough that sometimes we're going to say some things to them that I'm not going to want to hear, but it's true. It will make them trust us more in the future as well. Guys, as we close, I'm, I'm going to put this prayer up on the slide. It kind of has to do with um, parenting and being a kid. Um, it's it's two, two slides. So I'm going to go ahead and let the band um, come up and as you guys kind of read through this a couple times and just kind of meditate on it. If you want to take pictures on it, you can as well. And we'll just wrap it up with that this morning. <clears throat>